Welcome to the Your Houston Podcast. This is your host, Nicholas Hall. This is your co-host, Mario Casillo. How are you doing today, Mario? I'm doing well. You sure you seem kind of tired? I am a little tired. <laughs> is that because we're in the midst of the most epic weight loss challenge known to man? That, and I just didn't sleep well, and we started early this morning, so... There you go. All those things combined. Well, I'm a good sport. I didn't bring donuts today to try to tempt you. I would have eaten one. Well, I'm a good friend. So for the audience today, we have a phenomenal topic. We're going to be talking about weight loss and exercise and health and wellness during the COVID-19 pandemic. And you may or may not know, but me and Mario, like I said, are in the middle of a weight loss challenge. It started on August 2nd. It's going to run through the Houston Restaurants Week to September 7th. Is that why? See, I thought it was a month-long thing. I thought it was to the end of August. Now it's a week into September? It's September 7th. Because of Five weeks. I wasn't mentally prepared for five weeks. Well, we'll probably make a donation for the Houston Restaurants Week. You know, something to do. It's it, But it is a major thing. People have the COVID-19, right? And I don't mean the disease per se. I mean they're gaining weight. See, I was already planning like a big Labor Day feast after this challenge, you know, lining up some meals that I've really been craving. And Well, you know, it's my birthday during then, so I will be starving myself in a very healthy way during my birthday. No birthday cake for me. I want to win. Fair enough. So today's guest, I mean, th- this this is something that the audience is going to get to learn about our habits, our discipline, and our philosophies on weight loss and diet in general. And and hear from an expert who is dedicating their career to help folks maintain a healthy weight. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Mother, you know, she is living the dream. She gets to spend her life doing something she's so passionate about, and and it's weight loss, and it's really treating the, the, the patient um, through everything that they do in a very holistic way versus just, you know, focusing on one, you know, some doctors out there just prescribe one medicine. That's all they do. They just have a one size fits all approach. But then there's other physicians that actually have a much more macro um, and what I would consider to be better approach. Um, you know, and even outside of the doctor's office, so many people right now are struggling with how to stay active and maintain a healthy weight while being at home all the time and not being able to go to a gym if they don't feel comfortable. So the topic really will touch, uh, I think, a lot of folks at this time who are struggling with the issue. Yeah, it's a lifelong struggle for some people like me. It really is. We will be sure to share some of my photos from when I was uh, a very large young child. Um, but I think we're going to save that when we check back in on this challenge. Uh, but for our guest today, I mean, this, I was blown away when I saw, you know, the background, the education. And I, I really just can't say enough about how excited I am to have Dr. Mother on the show. Absolutely. You know, Dr. Mother is a board-certified internal medicine physician uh, who went to Baylor College of Medicine for our medical school and did her residency at Harvard. Yeah, you know how hard it is to get into that? That's very impressive, uh, you know, and then spent a number of years as a primary care physician before starting her own practice uh, called Lifelong Weight Loss. Yeah, and, and so... One thing we're not including is that she graduated with honors from Baylor Medical School, 
and she was summa cum laude from Rice. So extremely impressive. Very intelligent, uh, knows her stuff, and has helped a lot of people uh, get to and maintain a healthy weight. Yeah, and and she spent over 300 hours um, to independent and supervised study just in dealing with weight loss. Yep. So... So excited to have our guest, and I'm so excited for our two new rounds. We're used to in our format to doing the lightning round. Instead, now it's going to be the all systems go lift off round, uh, and then we're going to end it with the Houston, we've got a problem, where I'm going to ask a ridiculous problem question and, and give them a time limitation to solve it. So wonderful episode. So excited to bring our guest on. Are you ready, Mario? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Great. Well, we're really excited today to have Dr. Rupal Mathur with us to discuss uh, weight loss and staying healthy uh, during the time of COVID-19 and decreased, you know, mobility, gyms being closed, stay-at-home orders, quarantine. Um, Dr. Mathur is a board-certified physician in internal medicine. She attended Rice University and Baylor College of Medicine, um, and did her residency uh, at Harvard. Very impressive. Extremely impressive. (laughs) Um, Practiced primary care for several years and now has um, a independent um, clinic for weight loss called Lifelong Weight Loss and has decided to dedicate uh, her career to helping folks stay healthy and, and maintain uh, a healthy weight. Well, I think that's a very big list of accomplishments and very impressive. And thank you for taking your time to be with us today, Dr. Mother. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Um, that was quite an introduction and really does sum up very well what I do. And, um, you know, my dedication now, my passion is for, um, is for obesity medicine, but really weight management, um, maintaining health, preventative health, preventing medical conditions, or even potentially reversing them, as opposed to my role as a primary care provider, which was really treating the medical conditions once they had already developed. Well, we're going to get into all that good stuff. Before we do, though, we're going to start with our newly improved question round that we're now going to call liftoff. I feel the liftoff. The clock has started. We even have the wonderful intro. Uh, So what I'm going to do is ask some questions to kind of get the brain matter going, get the juices flowing, you know, get to know you a little bit better, get the audience to know you. Um, So if you get tonight, you're getting a free dinner at any restaurant in the city of Houston. Where are you going to go and what are you going to order? Ah, <laughs> okay. Let me see. So I would uh, most likely pick Kata Rabada. Um, I am a big sushi fan, and I do think they have the best sushi in Houston. So I think that's a pretty easy one for me. All right. Well, that's a good, solid answer. I've never been there, but now I want to go. Oh, it is so good. Um, the yellowtail hamachi, jalapeno hamachi, in a ponzu sauce. Um, so it is sashimi. We don't have all the rice of the uh, maki, of the rolls, but it's delicious. And like I said, their fish quality is just, I think, the best in Houston. 
Well, I think Mario is going to be going there sometime soon. Yep. Um, so, all right, here we go. Fire away. Question number two. There's a private jet filled with enough fuel to take you any in the wor- anywhere in the world. Where are you going to go and why? Oh, that's easy, too. The Maldives. Um, so, although we are all feeling very socially isolated right now, um, in general, it is a nice place to get away. We have been there. Um, we did travel there last year, and it was definitely a dream vacation, um, but I am definitely someone who needs a low-key, relaxing type of vacation. That's a good way to reduce stress, right? (laughs) Yes, to reduce stress, exactly. You know, husband and I both work hard, and we have a a toddler, and so, and we would take him with us. He he can come on the private jet, but, uh, but, you know, maybe just get away and, yeah, just enjoy the scenery. Well, maybe this plays into that. So next question is, if you could transplant anything from another city and bring it to Houston, what would it be? So this could be an amenity. This could be like, you know, mountains, anything. Well, I mean, how political do we want to get? I mean, one of the things as political as you want to get. (laughs) Universal health care is usually on my number one. Uh, because I did my training in Massachusetts, um, that was really wonderful to be able to take care of a population that all had access to care. Um, and so that's one of the things people ask me often is, you know, I came back to Houston after residency, but, uh, that's, you know, Boston is beautiful. The weather is wonderful, but just kind of the kindred spirit with the, um, healthcare, the universal healthcare, um, and some of the other kind of social policies that take care of the community is something that I really miss about. I respect that answer. I think that's a good answer. We might need to have you back for an episode on universal healthcare. <laughs> I would, it would be my pleasure. All right. Now here's where we go to the lightning round. These are going to be quick hitting questions. What's your favorite fad diet? Uh, low carb. <laughs> Although, what? is it really a fad? But it's my favorite. Oh, it is. I mean, you say keto, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, what's the worst weight loss advice you've ever heard? Uh, ca- drink cabbage soup to lose weight. I guess <laughs> sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> I don't know. Some of my ancestors may have been brought up, and that's the only form of <laughs> sustenance they had. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I guess that is a, a pretty bad. Bad advice. Well, uh, if you're just having cabbage soup, that would be the problem. As a part of a balanced diet, that's okay. If you could only take <laughs> one supplement or antioxidant, what would it be? Omega-3. Okay. Fish oil, fish oil-based omega-3. It's very anti-inflammatory. And one of my favorites. What's your favorite cheat meal? Pizza. Oh, Definitely. <laughs> Easy no, one. <laughs> that's always a squared away answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Coca-Cola. Or Diet Coke? Coke. Oh, oh, okay. Regular versus diet, Diet Coke. And then my last question of the lightning round is going to be, have you had the Impossible Burger? I have had the Impossible Burger. You have? I have Absolutely. not. So is it, what is it, is it really good? Well, okay. So let me preface this by saying I am, I was I've been a vegetarian my whole life. So eating that for me, I couldn't, I didn't know if, you know, is is this supposed to taste like meat or not? I don't know because I don't know what that is like, but I will tell you that I was worried that they had given me the wrong burger. So it was quite meaty, I think. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) Hot dotty. 
So I, I think Mario will be going to Katarabata, and yep. I will be going to get an Impossible Burger. Because <laughs> um, I don't think that I've had a Whopper since I was in my teens. Um, but we'll get to that, you know, during the interview. So that, that completes our first ever all-mission, you know, all systems ready to go, liftoff round. Well, thank you so much for being here. We want to start by just talking through um, some tips and some advice for folks who are trying to maintain a healthy weight. They're staying at home more. Uh, maybe they're not comfortable being in a gym right now. Um, maybe they're eating out all the time, fast food, take, you know, take out to go. What, what are um, tips and what is some advice that you would give to people who are struggling right now with maintaining a healthy weight? That's a great question. I mean, I think that is the key question right now is to address people's health at home. We're all watching out for our health by, you know, uh, limiting exposure to COVID, but really the key is taking care of our bodies during this time. Um, and so there are multiple elements, what we're eating, our activity level, absolutely. Um, I think a big one and an easy one relatively is water um, because everyone has access to it. Um, and so that's one that I think is often overlooked um, as a change that can uh, that can be easily incorporated into the day, especially if you're working from home. But my suggestion with working from home and water is still bring your bottle of water with you to work, like to your work desk, because um, I'm, I'm really finding that people are just getting stuck in meetings or whatever it might be and not getting up to refill their cup or, you know, if they're just kind of treating it as, oh, I'm in my home and I can just have cups of water throughout the day. So um, I think increase in water intake is a big one. Um, we do often mistake hunger uh, for thirst. So if we're, you know, dehydrated, then we might feel hungry and go reach for a snack when really if we had the water right in front of us, um, that can help limit snacking throughout the day. I have a 50 ounce glass bottle, huge uh, bottle of water that I keep with me. Um, and so I, I definitely think that helps me just remember to stay hydrated and then also keep track of my hydration throughout the day. <clears throat> but that's a big one, um, keeping water and keeping snacks away from the work area. I think those two are big ones um, because I do hear from a lot of people, you know, maybe they're not stopping to even grab lunch during the workday because the Zoom meetings are back to back, but they might be snacking and not really realizing how much they're eating. So it's very, it's so much easier to do that mindless eating, um, whether you're back in the office or at home, but at your work desk. Yeah. So. Keep, keeping the, the addictive things out of the environment. Um, you know, yeah. as, as we discussed, Mario and I are in the middle of this phenomenal weight loss challenge. And my wife has a bit of a sweet tooth. And when I first met her, I tried to explain because she really loves peanut M&Ms. And I was like, I do too. And you know what? You cannot bring them in the house. If you do, some little part of my body, you know, some demon will come out and I'll find them sometime of weakness and I will eat them. Um, and so I've had like a zero tolerance discussion, but somehow they always find their way in the house. And what I've done is just come to an agreement with her to hide them somewhere and never tell me about it. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things that I'm constantly always aware of is, is trying to keep healthy things in the environment and not bringing the unhealthy things around. All righty. So we were just talking about water and what advice would you have, for instance, in our weight loss challenge, we exercise vigorously. 
And so I take, and actually I have it right here in my big Nalgene right here. Um, I take, it's called encaged, I believe, um, but it's an electrolyte water. Is that safe to drink all of the time? Because I don't think I just drink regular water. <laughs> you probably don't want that all the time. You want that when you are working out, um, when you're losing the electrolytes through sweat um, or if you're outdoors. But, um, you know, for most of us, it's not going to be dangerous. Our kidney will handle the excess electrolytes and excrete them. But certainly there are people who need to limit their electrolyte intake, um, especially if they don't have an increased output of electrolytes and they're just really drinking them. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people feel like if something is good for you, more of it is probably better for you, but that's definitely not correct. Um, too much of anything, right? Any substance, food, water, air, oxygen, anything is bad for humans. So, um, you know, same applies, like that rule kind of applies to anything you have, um, including the electrolyte waters. And then of course, one thing to watch out for the electrolyte waters, um, you know, is the sugar content. So there's lots that are on the market that are zero calorie, but just be careful if you are having a sugary drink that, um, you know, you're, you're drinking a lot of excess calories there. I use the, the little tablets that I put in my water. Are the salt tablets? Are you, none, are you, I think it's called. None? Oh, you don't use the TB12 tablets? No. Oh, wow. No. I, Mario's a big Tom Brady fan, and so <laughs> I figured he would be using everything TB12. So, Dr. Math, Mather, if you're thinking about um, mental health as well, and what impacts are, are folks experiencing uh, in addition to the physical side um, during, you know, the pandemic? It's huge. Um, and I'm glad that this topic has been getting media coverage because um, a lot of people have struggled um, and are struggling. A lot of people are struggling alone because of the, um, you know, obviously the need for social distancing. Um, but it is very real. Um, I have seen a lot of patients back in my office who are really struggling. And, um, you know, I provide some therapy in what I do just because emotional support is a huge part of weight loss, a huge part of being able to take care of yourself um, and your health. But, um, you know, I do have patients that are crying in my office when we start talking about what is going on um, and what's driving some of their, um, you know, potentially their emotional eating. And a lot of it has to do with the isolation that people are experiencing. Um, just lack of, uh, you know, contact maybe with their regular health providers too, or their regular therapist, um, or just their normal support network that, you know, usually provides um, some guidance uh, through difficult times. But everyone, I think, is feeling this. It's been several months now, and it has been very tough, um, whether it's been tough for you financially or um, just, you know, personally, emotionally, spiritually, seeing what's going on in the world, seeing the heartache that people are experiencing through this pandemic has been a huge challenge. And I would like to add, I think people overlook this piece, but when we are not eating well, that definitely contributes to our mental health. It, it, 
um, getting the adequate B vitamins, getting probiotics, prebiotics. These things are important in our mental health. Um, these are regulating our gut health and our, um, our neurohormones, the B vitamins in particular. And so if we're not getting that from our food, if we're just, you know, if we're doing a lot of fast food type eating, then that can definitely negatively impact our, our mental health as well. So I definitely encourage listeners who are struggling with that to reach out to someone. Um, you know, if it's if you don't feel like you can reach out to someone in the family, um, you know, maybe even just your primary care provider to get some guidance, be, you know, um, referred to a therapist. It, it's, it is possible to get in to see someone. I know that's also been a bit of a bottleneck, but, um, you know, there are still resources available. Um, but th that has been huge. And then also being sedentary, not having the activity. A lot of people use that as an outlet for their stress. And so not having that piece as well um, is it has compounded the issue with mental health, the struggle with mental health. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it, go ahead. It's, it's really these compounding you know, factors. You got more screen mm -hmm. time, more than ever, right? So we're getting extra mm -hmm. blue light and we're generally not out walking in the sun and we're otherwise being very socially distant. Some are going to the parks. Um, but most people, you know, they're in exercise and, and go to a gym. They're in group fitness classes and there's a social component to that. I think studies have actually shown that, you know, of, of all sports, I think it's tennis that actually has the longest lifespan because it's not just the physical aspect, but it's something you can play well in, you know, to the later years of your life but you have a very social aspect to it because you have playing partners. Um, so because mental health is so intertwined with this and with weight loss or maintaining a healthy weight, what would you recommend for someone that's maybe been on the sidelines and not exercising and they really do, you know, want to get back to moving? Um, mm -hmm. What would be your advice for that? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously in our um, climate, it has been very difficult to encourage people to go outdoors and do their exercise. So um, whether you can, if you still want to do exercise, formal exercise, where you're getting your heart rate up for a sustained period of time, and you don't have access to any gym equipment, just doing, you know, body weight training, etc. And if you're not comfortable with that, follow a video. Um, but you can, you know, kind of YouTube a lot of things or you can virtually um, sign up for classes. Um, a lot of the gyms have been offering that. But really, I think more important than exercise is physical activity. And so those two things, we terms we often interchange, but actually in medicine and in the obesity medicine world, we think of those two as different things. So exercise, as I mentioned, is that sustained heart rate elevation. Physical activity is just um, standing to go to the bathroom, um, cooking, grocery shopping, just daily physical activity. And we are really missing out on that because we are, many of us are sitting at our desk and um, as I mentioned, back-to-back -back Zoom calls or what it might be and um, just a lot more sedentary than we were and we're missing that component. Um, and so there's something called the 28-2 rule. So if you've never heard of that, um, that suggests that we should, uh, for every 20 minutes of sitting, stand for eight minutes and gently stretch for two minutes. And the reason we don't want to be just standing all day is because, of course, that has negative impacts, too, um, especially on the back in particular. But um, again, too much of any one thing is is not good. So too much sitting, too much standing. So that that's kind of a nice rule of thumb. And of course, it's really difficult to remember that during the workday. So I do really like the activity trackers. 
the Apple Watch and the Fitbit both both will vibrate at you to remind you um, to stand. So I think just bringing in that type of daily physical activity is going to be really, really important if you can't carve out time to do exercise. So how can we use this as an opportunity to create new positive habits? You know, if you're not commuting, if you're not going to happy hour because bars are closed, if you're spending more time at home and you potentially have more downtime, it sounds like there's ways to incorporate daily activities consistently that can develop a new habit that is a positive impact. I mean, is that something that you're seeing uh, people are having success with uh, during um, this time? I actually do think a lot of people have incorporated walking, long walks in particular, especially, you know, in the early morning or evening hours. Um, And people have been doing that very successfully. So that's kind of been nice to see. Um, But then outside of that, if you want to increase your daily physical activity, cooking is a great one, too, because, of course, we're all, um, you know, not ready potentially to go back to restaurants or at least not not on a daily basis. And so um, cooking at home, even though there is the option of takeout, cooking at home is an activity. You're standing at the kitchen, you're, you know, you're moving around. Um, And then, of course, you know exactly the quality of the food, what you know exactly what's going into your food. Now, a lot of people will say, but I'm not a chef. You know, I I don't really know how to cook. I mean, my extent of cooking is opening a bag of salad. Well, maybe that's it. I mean, maybe all you need to do is, you know, get a salad kit. And then um, maybe you just order the cooked protein if you don't feel comfortable doing that. But putting even just putting a meal together like that is going to be a lot healthier than ordering a pre-made salad. But then you also are able to bring in that new habit of maybe every Monday is my cooking day now. And um, it's an additional type of physical activity. And as you mentioned, it's just an opportunity to bring a habit into your life. Yeah. Speaking of habits, I mean, that's the way I've looked at the pandemic as as a way to really reset and try to develop some new healthy habits. Um, What would you say to those who you know, don't have the means to get on, you know, a meal replacement program or have kids, but they live in a food desert, an area of the city where their grocery options just are not that good. Um, You know, they're working a job, they have a busy lifestyle, they're used to the fast food. What are some simple changes that they can make to start making their own foods and preparing a healthy meal for their family? Yeah, it's really tough if you are in what we call a food desert area. Um, Some basics that you can usually find are um, bread and some produce, um, you know, if you can afford that. But, um, you know, if you are typically going through fast food, um, a drive through and ordering an egg sandwich for breakfast or, you know, similarly something like that, a sandwich for lunch, you can prepare that at home. So, um, you know, we, we could, I could talk at length about my ideals in terms of, you know, low carb and kind of managing, um, you know, intake throughout the day. But if that's just not feasible, the big thing is, as you suggested, just not eating out. Um, so any option at the grocery store for the most part is going to be better than fast food. Um, so making that first change initially, but after that, I always, beyond that, I always recommend try to structure your meals very simply, a protein and a vegetable. Um, and if you'd like a starch too, but just 
um, it doesn't need to be complicated. I think that's where people feel like they have to make a recipe, you know, and it's not really like that. And that's, I mean, that's how humans have evolved is really, you know, we eat some protein when we um, have access to it. Otherwise we eat from the earth, we eat nuts and seeds and, um, you know, and maybe some berries. Um, but I'm trying to get back to the basics a little bit in terms of the meals. And would you say that it is, uh, there are some group activities that are safe for physical fitness for folks that are concerned about um, not, you know, exposing themselves to COVID-19? You know, I think that's a tough one because every individual organization has their own guidelines. So, um, you know, I think try to, if you can ask um, the organization what they're doing before you go or before you sign up for a membership or schedule your classes, um, I'm sure there are places that have found very innovative ways to keep people six feet, six feet apart. And of course, I think most places are wiping down um, equipment much more regularly. If you feel comfortable wearing a mask during your workout, I know that's tough, but um, you know, it doesn't have to be an N95. That would be very difficult to wear during an exercise workout, an exercise routine. But I mean, and maybe it's a class that's that's very um, low intensity to where you could wear a mask and feel comfortable um, doing your workout and still be in that group setting so that you get um, some of that benefit if you're not, if you don't want to do a virtual, as I mentioned, a lot of these places are offering virtual classes as well. So you still do get to, you know, see other people that are also logging on along with you. But um, I don't have a specific place, unfortunately, that I know of where, you know, I feel like their group sessions are great, but it doesn't have to be a group session. Um, we have um, a place in my medical building um, called the Perfect Workout. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but they, I think, limit their clients to two at a time. So it's not necessarily a group workout, but you're still working with a trainer. Um, and, you know, I think the trainers are doing a good job, too, of being very, um, you know, very careful in their um, interaction and wearing masks. Et cetera. So, um, a lot of us, all, a lot of the healthcare providers, and I would include trainers in that, are really trying to do our best to still be there and open for the community, but just put a lot of precautions in place. So I think um, don't let the fear overcome you. Do start trying to um, explore some of the options that are available. You might be surprised that there is something available. Yeah, I mean, and, and I keep it simple. You know, like you were saying, doctor, I I, I take breaks every thirty minutes to, to an hour and and go spend some time with my son or go on a walk or do some sort of movement. Um, but during our weight loss challenge, I have been let's just say very intense with my exercise routine. Um, I've been wearing a weight vest and climbing stairs, for instance, doing stuff like that, that I would consider to be functional fitness, but yet still socially distanced. Um, so, you know, there's some people out there that have pre-existing conditions and they have maybe put it off. They have deferred maintenance. They haven't gone to the doctor. They may not even be aware, um, for instance, that they have low testosterone or something else going on with their thyroid or pituitary gland. I'm curious what your stance is on testosterone replacement or growth hormone therapy for men that live a very stressful lifestyle and, you know, they're working out, but their body's just not recovering as efficiently as it did when they were younger. Um, you know, that's a good question. It's um, a popular 
uh, concept right now, uh, testosterone replacement therapy for men. Um, in general, what we're seeing in the studies is most men don't need excess testosterone therapy. Some men do. So it's definitely always worth the conversation with your physician because, um, you know, I have checked men's testosterone level and it's very low and we need to address what is going on. Because as you mentioned, sometimes it is a pituitary issue. It's a pituitary tumor that's preventing adequate um, gonadotropin hormone secretion. And so, and that's just the, basically, you know, the, the sex hormones. Um, and so you do need to investigate that if you are concerned about it. But if once you get some reassurance, I would say for most men, that's not really something that is necessary and um, excess hormone replacement therapy for men and women, for women, obviously for estrogen um, has its own drawbacks. So, you know, the literature definitely doesn't, it, it's not showing that this is something without harm. Um, so we do need to be mindful of the potential increase in cardiac events with testosterone therapy or the increase in thromboembolic events, which are blood clots with both testosterone and estrogen therapy. And something that's very interesting about the thromboembolic events or the, the blood clots is that if you've had COVID, we also think that's a big risk factor for blood clots. So, um, you know, this is something that, really it warrants a real good conversation with your physician before you decide to do this. There are a lot of um, offices out there where you can just walk in and they're offering um, testosterone replacement therapy, but that's not necessarily the right move. I would definitely um, consult with a provider who has no financial interest in it before you pursue that. And then on the other side of the of things, if you really are finding that, hey, I'm working out, but I'm not recovering as well, or, you know, the muscle mass is just not there, then definitely explore the nutrition side. Um, you know, I think most people in the bodybuilding community do recognize that what you're eating makes a huge impact on whether you can build muscle fiber. So, um, and then some things that you can add for recovery, branching amino acids, um, you know, the adequate um, amount of protein intake post um, recovery, you know, maintaining recovery intervals between working out the same muscle group, et cetera. So some things that, you know, you might be familiar with if you're entrenched in um, that type of um, community, but if you're very new and just trying to put on muscle mass and don't really know some of those specifics, and that's where the conversation with your trainer or with a nutritionist or someone like myself who has some background in the nutrition piece. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was mainly thinking through just like maybe lack of motivation and depression and all other things related to maybe having a, a you know, if you're hypothyroidism <clears throat> in, in females or, or you have, you know, low testosterone for males, how often in your practice do you see that there is a need for medical intervention in the form of prescriptions? For hormone replacement therapy? Well, just for weight loss in general. Oh, for weight loss. Okay. So that's a different, a little bit different um, conversation because there are um, some medications that are FDA approved for weight loss. And it is something that I usually will offer the majority of my patients, but I say it in that way because it offer, because it's not a requirement. Um, you know, I have lots of patients who have lost weight successfully without a weight loss medication. Um, and it really depends on that person's medical history. So as you mentioned, if they have a pre-existing condition, especially a cardiac condition, then a certain type of medication, weight loss medication um, is not, there's some classes that are not going to be appropriate or safe for them at all. Um, so it depends on their medical history. Certainly it depends on their history of weight struggles. Um, 
And it also depends on personal preference. So I would say probably about 50% of my patients are not on any weight loss medications. Um, and primarily, you know, that is because they um, just want to um, make the nutritional changes. And then a lot of people are open to adding weight loss medications if we need to, but we just often don't get to that point. On the other hand, I always stress to my patients, don't think of this medicine as a crutch. So people think of weight loss medications as, well, I need this because I just don't have the self-discipline. I can't do this on my own. But really, weight management and struggle with weight is so much more than self-discipline. It really reflects what is going on internally with hormones, as you were mentioning. But now we're talking about hunger hormones and satiety or fullness hormones. So these are different types of hormones than what we traditionally think about estrogen, testosterone, thyroid. And so um, these medicines, the weight loss medications actually affect the hunger and fullness hormones. And some people that struggle with their weight just don't have very much of the fullness hormones. They just feel hungry all the time. And for some of my patients, and I can say even I have a 17-year-old who it has been life-changing for her. She says she feels free from the feeling of hunger constantly because we have started her on a weight loss medication. And again, for her, it's not a crutch. This is something physiologically, this is something that is a medical condition that I diagnose. Obesity is a medical condition. And so we treat it just like if I diagnosed you with high blood pressure or high cholesterol or diabetes. And those med those um, medical conditions can be treated with nutrition, but also often need to be treated with medications. Um, and so similarly for obesity, you know, there are often hormonal issues that require medication. But what you don't want to do is, again, walk into an office where they hand out weight loss medication like candy. It's not right. intended to be used in that way either. It really needs to be used safely and in context of what that particular patient is struggling with, whether it's hunger or cravings or emotional eating or blood sugar control. We're yep. seeing a shift where, you know, society's embracing more of, you know, these advancements in medical pharmacology. Um, so maybe I'll be coming to see you, Dr. Mother. <laughs> that sounds excellent. That's exciting. Yeah, I mean, definitely keep an open mind. That's all that, you know, that's all that we're asking. Is it time for our uh, no, new I, segment? I mean, I, so just in practicing medicine, how have you seen the benefits in the shift to, you know, using this, this technology, the, you know, um, do you, do you think we will get back to going into the, the office or do you mm -hmm. think that there's going to be the telemedicine shift? Is this going to be the paradigm shift? Absolutely. I think just like in all other industries, we're not going to turn back from this. We're not going to return to 2019. Um, you know, the nice thing is that insurance carriers are now covering telemedicine and they're starting to expand the timeline for which they're covering that. And I think ultimately that will end up being prolonged. Um, we can do a lot with telemedicine. There are some reasons, though, that we really need to see people in person. And so your physician will absolutely advise you of that. Um, what we've do been doing in my office is um, I still do have the majority of my patients coming in because I have a body composition analyzer. So it's a machine that will break down weight in terms of body fat and muscle mass and then also give us an estimated metabolic rate. And for what I do, that's so important to be able to see that, that really we can't replace most of that with telemedicine. But once we get, you know, a few benchmark numbers, maybe at the initial visit and then every three months we could um, 
check in on the body composition and in between we can do a telemedicine visit. So I think there's always going to be a place for it. Um, and that's completely appropriate because we have technology and we should use it. And, um, you know, it, it just, it, it helps in so many other ways. It helps decrease exposure, not just to COVID, but to so many other things, you know, when we think about flu season. Um, and then it also helps me in order to someone like me in order to be able to provide care to that person that lives in Lake Jackson or that lives in Conroe and doesn't have a similar provider available to them, then we can communicate via telemedicine and know that, um, you know, we're still getting very, we're still providing very good care um, and care that otherwise would not be able to be provided. So I'm very excited about telemedicine. We are, I am using it in my practice as well as most healthcare providers. And I hope that, you know, um, patients embrace that as well. Yep. I, you know, again, once again, another opportunity to really harness the technologies and, and use this pandemic as an opportunity to strengthen things that perhaps we'd neglected or not otherwise mm -hmm. even thought of using. Um, so this brings us to our rapid new final special moment of this show. Uh, we call it Houston, we've got a problem. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a problem and ask you to solve it in five to 10 seconds. All right. So oh, dear. here we go. It wouldn't be right without the cheesy little, little <laughs> sound bite. So here's the question. All right, you ready? I hope so. I'm going to give you what I consider the five S's, and please <laughs> list them back in the order of importance. So number one through number five, okay? The five deadly S's that I think contribute to a poor health and lifestyle are stress, sugar, salt, smoking, and sedentary habits. If you had to list those in the importance of what to work on first, what order would you put those in? Smoking is number one. Um, and then I would say sugar is number two. Um, stress would be number three. Salt would be number four. And um, what was our fifth one? Sleep sedentary. or sedentary lifestyle. Now, I would probably switch actually sedentary lifestyle and salt. And then also please add sleep on there as well for the success. Um, oh, There's actually <laughs> 11, but I, but I cut it down to five just for the show. I mean, it includes screen time, it includes submission, giving up, you know, not continuing to yeah. work on things. Um, but all right, that's a great, great yeah. answer. You know, you survived the Houston, we've got a problem challenge. Uh, thank you for your time. If you're watching, please go down below, like, and subscribe. Um, Dr. Mother, where can people find you? Um, so I think the easiest way to get in touch with me is my website, www.lifelongweightloss.com. We've got a form on there that you can fill out and um, it comes straight to our email address and you'll get a response. Otherwise, of course, our phone number is on there. Our email address is on there. So we are very technological in that way. Um, even the office phone is a cell phone number. We Sometimes we have patients who text us, but you know, we're very open um, to all forms of communication. So please reach out. And another place, actually, a suggestion I would make is if you are on Instagram, 
follow us at Lifelong Weight Loss on Instagram because I do post my lifestyle, foods that I'm eating, recipe ideas, etc. I have a lot of patients who are asking me for that type of information. Um, and salt is actually something that I just covered in my last post there. Um, but, uh, but you know, any resource that I can provide, it doesn't necessarily have to be our, a patient-doctor relationship. Um, I'm happy to give you guidance in that way. And I also have a blog on my website. Well, thank you so much for Wonderful. your time. Uh, it's been very you know, educational. And we look forward to checking back in on our weight loss challenge. So if you're, if you're listening, uh, thank you for watching the show. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. And really, I just want to let you know that we appreciate you putting up with me and Mario. Um, and that being said, if you have any ideas, please leave a comment down below. Let us know what your favorite fad diet is. Let us know what works for you uh, during this extremely stressful time dealing with the COVID pandemic. Um, also let me know, are you a Diet Coke? Are you a Coca-Cola fan? Maybe you're Dr. Pepper. Um, anything goes, please just give us a comment. And, and also uh, like and subscribe the show, you know, and, and, and let other people know about it because this really is an opportunity for you to get involved and, and make a difference. So until next time. This has been another episode of Your Houston the organization lets you make a difference.